Hello, welcome to another episode of the Yang Gang Podcast. We are co-hosts, Connor Maybon and Evan Schaub. With this evening is Ryan Blevins. He is a robotics engineer running for Congress in California's 10th district. Ryan, how are you this evening? Uh, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for being with us this evening. Um, before we get we have regarding your campaign do you mind expanding for us uh on your background and how that led you into politics uh yeah so i guess this started in 2016 when i got a job in computer vision and then later in 2017 i got a job at kawasaki robotics so what I found out is every time we build a robot, it, replace, it replaces 1.6 jobs in the market. And then when I saw Andrew Yang start talking about how he went to the government and he told them that, hey, we're going to have all of these unemployed people. What are we going to do? And they didn't really have an answer for him. So Yang started uh, campaigning and I was like, okay, uh, he can't do it by himself. I should help him because I really don't want to live through another recession. Hmm. Uh, what can you tell us a little bit about California's 10th district? Uh, where is that? And, and what um, is that something that's facing what Andrew Yang is talking about in terms of automation and technological unemployment? Yeah. So uh, Stanislaus County, is the major county within my district. It has about 70% of the votes or so. Uh, San Joaquin County is the other one. So we'll just use uh, Stanislaus County for the data, just to keep mm -hmm. it more simple. Uh, so in Stanislaus County, there are about 550,000 people and there are about 237,000 jobs. Uh, the second most common job is retail which is pretty much going to be erased over the, the next 10 years. And then we also have 3,600 truckers, which is uh, not too many, mm -hmm. maybe 2%. But there's a lot of transportation here. Yes, a lot. Just look, to the, uh, look at 101 and you'll know that there's a lot of transportation happening in California, a lot of, a lot of commerce. Um, so yes, a lot of truck drivers. Um, and that, um, you know, those jobs, as Andrew Yang has definitely talked about in his campaign, um, on his campaign trail, as those jobs are, are under threat um, due to technological unemployment. Uh, as we know, out here in Silicon Valley, they are developing driverless trucks. Um, I'm not sure as to how soon they're going to, uh, hit the market, but it seems like probably not too far off. Maybe the next 10 years, would you agree? Well, we were doing pretty good in 2016. Mm -hmm. Uh, my information on self-driving cars is a little bit out of date, mm -hmm. but I can see what Tesla is doing where they have that they have it. So you can tell your car to come find you in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty impressive technology. Yeah. Um, and so I guess getting into the, uh, your platforms that you're running on for your campaign, um, which everyone, our listeners can find more about on, uh, blevinsforcongress.com. Um, you are running on a platform that includes modernizing education, ending the wars, Medicare for all, uh, climate, 
immigration, and also the freedom dividend, or as um, it's also known as the universal basic income. Um, my question to you is, how were you introduced to universal basic income, the, the, this idea, and why is it so important now? So I was originally introduced to universal basic income in 2015 when I was unemployed. I was going to college, but it wasn't really full-time. I was looking for work. So at nighttime, what I would like to do, I would like to go on YouTube and I would like to research various topics. So I researched, uh, you know, science and engineering and stuff like that. And I came across the idea of the universal basic income because at some point I realized that every single job that we do will be automated at some point. So I was wondering, what do we do then? Hmm. So, and this is stuff that you were seeing um, in tandem with your work as a robotics engineer as well, or was that a little bit um, beyond that? Well, I can see it with my work with robotics engineering because mm-hmm. I, uh, I work in the quality department. So I know every time that a new platform is released or a new robot is released. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, a vague idea of how many that we are making. And it's a lot. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll, in, in continuing off of that um, idea and, and this idea of modernizing um, not only education, but really the government. And, and I believe that you see that this is necessary. I know Andrew Yang sees this as necessary for creating what is, you know, what people are saying is the 21st century government that fits our modern society, that fits this changing, this rapid change of tech and technology. So uh, my question is, what does, to you, what does a 21st century government look like? Uh, so what I like to do, instead of referring to it as a century, uh, actually I will call it a 21st century stuff, but I'm, what I'm really referring to is the 2020s, because hmm. very hard to predict, to predict what will happen 20 years from now. So I would prefer to predict what would happen 10 years from now. From now, And what I would like to see within the next 10 years is I would like more hands-on training to be taught in schools. Uh, you know, the kinds of jobs that are more difficult for machines to do. Mm-hmm. And also things like software engineering. Because right now, uh, there's all kinds of new software engineering jobs but there's not enough people to fill in the, the roles. Hmm. And so, then, uh, and then of course, universal basic income on top of that to help all of these displaced people. And oh, go ahead. Yeah. So I was just going to ask um, all of these things that I, you know, I assume are, you know, kind of the basis of the inspiration behind why you're running. Um, do you have any specific things that maybe, I guess, I don't want to say separate you because that sounds kind of, you know, I guess contrived, but are there any specific things that, that you really feel is the most important issue that you would want to tackle if you were to get elected? Well, I have already helped uh, create the Basic Income Caucus, which at this moment is a group of 10 House of Representatives candidates. And we want to get together and talk about a potential bill so that when when some of us will win our elections in 2020, that we will be ready to introduce our bill to the House, you know, right when we get there. 
Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely important work. Um, how did you, how did you even, I guess, come about, you talked a little bit about your history, um, you know, working as an engineer, doing all of those things, but how did you come about, I guess, like really getting into that field and talking to these people? Like you said, you have 10 sitting house members. Um, how did you, how did you do that? Um, so for the 10, uh, they're not sitting house members, they're house of representatives candidates. Yeah, sorry, so sorry. Who are running. So what I did is I created uh, a Twitter account and it was, it was the beginning of October and I was just kind of gauging people's reactions to some of my ideas. And then people started giving uh, very positive responses. So I decided, hey, I, sh I should run. So I decided to run. And then later on, as the Twitter account grew more popular, I posted uh, about how Congress needs to lead and that we should be the leaders and that we should all come together. And then the response of that was pretty good. And that's how I was able to get these 10 candidates together. Yeah. So, I mean, can you kind of, I guess, list some of these candidates? I'm assuming it's like Agatha who was at the income March and then yeah. maybe like, you know, James Felton Keith and Jonathan Herzog, who we've all talked yeah. to. Um, who are the other six? Uh, so four of them are from California, uh, myself and Agatha, as uh, you already know. And then we have uh, David Kim, which is in Southern California. And we also have James Ellers, which is also in Southern California. And there's another guy named Jonathan Munitz. He was the first person who joined. He's from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we've talked to each other on Twitter before. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a cool guy. Um, can you also expand upon some of your other platforms? Uh, I'm specifically interested in your modernizing of education. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that there are all these, you know, software engineering jobs, but no one to fill them. So what is going to be required um, if we are to modernize or seek to modernize our education? Because the current system is, is clearly not working. It's clearly entrenched in some, in, in um, not very forward thinking, I'd say, to some degree. So what can we do to help mitigate that? Yeah, so our current education system was designed in the 1960s. So it's been around for a very long time. I think what we should do to uh, modernize it is very similar to something that already exists. So when I was in high school in uh, 2012, I took an ROP class for programming. And the programming class led to an internship, which led to a job. So I would like to expand on that to where if uh, students take certain electives, they can graduate with some sort of uh, cert certification saying that, oh, I have experience in programming, I have experience in uh, this mechanic work, uh, and then they can present it to an, a potential employer as uh, proof of their skills. What, yeah, I guess building on that, what role do you kind of see some of these? Like, are, are you familiar with the Lambda School? If, uh, 
I'm not. Okay. So the, the premise behind the Lambda School is basically you pay nothing up front. You go and you learn how to code. It's like maybe nine months, right? And you can, I think, specialize either in like UX design, iOS, um, iOS development, you know, down the line, data science, things like that. But pretty much the, you know, the, the setup of this school is that they don't actually get paid until you get a job. So then they take a certain percentage of your income. So I guess, do you kind of see things like that or like the general assemblies? Um, do you see that as kind of maybe some of the future? Do you think as a government, we should be incentivizing these things? How long do they take their income for? Two years at I believe 17% with a max of $30,000. That's a relatively high percent. But that does sound like a good uh, sort of training program, uh, much better than our current universities. But I would have to uh, research it more. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's a, it is a, a very interesting idea in that, like, it really incentivizes these schools, like, because they don't get paid unless, you know, that person gets a job, right? Or, uh, you know, and it's even better for them if they get a high paying job because then they get a higher, you know, percentage of that, right? So, yeah, anyway, I thought that was interesting. Um, what are some of the things that you do, I guess, building on that? What are some of the things that you feel that you have to do um, prior to your elections to kind of stand out? Um, so now what I need to do is uh, I need to improve my campaign in my district. So right now, uh, most of my campaign is called uh, an air campaign where you utilize uh, social media and other things like that. And I, I need to uh, focus it onto my district because when you do the social media, it goes to the entire country and the entire world. So I kind of need to narrow it down to my district. Huh. And how do you, how do you win your constituents over with um, your platform policies, specifically things like the freedom dividends? You know, a lot of people are just like, oh, it's a government handout. How do you, how do you separate that noise and, and, and make it clear that universal basic income is a practical solution, not a cure-all, but a practical solution to this idea, something that I has been recently introduced to, this concept of technological unemployment? Um, well, one thing I tell them is uh, that it was almost already passed in 1971. So the House of Representatives already passed it once. So it's not uh, a new idea. And something we can do is we can uh, reduce some of our wealth fair programs because uh, this would replace those and this would not be a welfare program because it's going to every citizen not just a uh, few people what is the hardest thing because you don't have you don't have any like you know specific political experience prior to running what has been the hardest thing about you know running for congress uh, honestly, the hardest part is finding time because I'm still a full-time employee at Kawasaki. So I'm still working 40 hours a week on top of campaigning. Yeah. And does that, uh, do you have to notify Kawasaki about that? Is that ever an issue? Like you running for political office while working a full-time position? Uh, I did not notify them, but I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to get you in trouble here. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I, I'm pretty lucky because uh, we have a pretty free schedule. So as long as we work eight hours a day, they don't really care as much uh, what time that we come in or if we take an hour break, as long as we get our work done. Mm. Uh, who are you running against in the tent? Um, so my Republican uh, opponent is named uh, Ted House, mm -hmm. and my Democratic opponent is Josh Harder. Hmm. And you are separating yourself from them by, uh, you know, your platform policies with the, the Freedom Dividend. How else are you kind of uh, going to show the constituents that you are qualified to um, take the California 10th and, and the Universal Basic Income Caucus and dealings with the, the state and federal government? How, how do you see yourself um, getting to your constituents uh, beyond those, those two challengers? Um, I have a better technological understanding than they do, I hope, since I'm an engineer. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that, that the constituents will be able to realize that because I am a robotics engineer, so I have a very good idea of how these machines work. We mm -hmm. currently have people in Congress that hire people to read their emails for them because they don't know how it works. Wow. So this, so you run on a more like youthful, I'm, I'm in it. My hands are, are on these machines. Um, and, and, and pretty much having to explain to, to people that, you know, not only is it coming, it's already here. It's only going to get more and more, um, involved in society. So I'm, you kind of using that message, like I'm here to kind of get ahead of things. One, one of my favorite things to say to people that don't realize that it's already here is, do you remember Blockbuster? <laughs> yeah, I think that's um, it's a good example. I mean, things are constantly changing. And I think one of the things about the government, which is both a good and a bad quality, is that it's hard to change. Like, it doesn't move as rapidly as things like the private sector do, I think. Yeah, our private sector is moving very quickly, and uh, the government needs to keep up with it. Yeah, and I, honestly, the only way to, I think to really do it, I, I guess at the risk of sounding like ageist, is you, we need more young people. We need more people who understand these, these broad topics that are, you know, difficult and complex, like, you know, like Facebook, like, you could talk for hours about Facebook, just the ins and outs, you know, content moderation, you know, advertising, all of these things. But the fact of the matter is, if you're someone who doesn't actually understand, you know, why Facebook is as powerful as they are, then how can you then go and make laws to either regulate it or try to right the ship? How does Facebook make money? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a question that our government actually asked Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that speaks volume then. Um, and so it requires people like you, uh, Mr. Blevins, about, you know, educating the public, using your knowledge that you're acquiring, working in the, the tech sector to um, explain complicated, complicated things and, and dial it down into something that's understandable, in, in especially in the realm of politics, which, as we know, uh, given our current president, it seems like 
you have to find a fine line to appeal to the largest common denominator, but also being informative and, um, you know, coming, coming to the table with, re with real policy proposals and real tangible things that can produce real tangible results. Um, can you ex uh, expand upon your uh, upcoming events for your run for Congress? Is there anything that our listeners should be aware about regarding your, um, your run for Congress? Uh, well, I don't have any specific events planned at this moment, but mm -hmm. I am helping uh, the Modesto Yang Gang start up. So after they start uh, hosting events, I will probably attend uh, many of those. And also, uh, there's a Silicon Valley Yang Gang that has like a weekly meetup, mm -hmm. and I'm planning on attending there too because they came out to Modesto, and uh, we we set up a table, and it was a good time. So I, mm -hmm. I wanted to go back and see them again. Now, are you are you kind of gearing your focus largely to um, the people who embody the Yang Gang? Um, people who are understanding of automation and technolo technology, or are you seeking to expand upon that that base at all, or is that your main focus? Uh, I'm trying to do both uh, because the Yang Gang are very understanding because they've already been aware of this, so it's mm -hmm. very easy to talk to them. But it's also very important to get new people because if we don't get new people, we're just going to be uh, have circular conversations where we only talk to ourselves. Right. That's what we were concerned about with the podcast. We didn't want it to become an echoing chamber, which is why we're bringing on um, people such as yourself who are running for Congress, for political office, um, and trying to take these ideas that have otherwise just lived on the internet or in books or in, in, in little um, you know, meetups with people discussing this and then bringing it to the forefront of the national uh, audience and attention. Um, and I think it's very important, and we definitely commend your efforts for running for Congress along with the others on this universal basic income platform. As you mentioned earlier in the podcast, that Andrew Yang can't do it alone. You know, he's, yeah. he's kind of like at the forefront running at, you know, at the highest possible level of office. But if he, you know, is to be successful in that, he needs others within the ranks um, with a similar mindset to, to help push these things along, to help with the education aspect of things. So... Um, are you kind of encouraging others with, with similar interests and backgrounds to pick up, pick up the reins to try to run for office? Um, there's a group called uh, 314action.org mm -hmm. and their entire point of existing is to promote uh, STEM, STEM professionals into the, uh, the political system. Mm -hmm. um, and then you also, uh, one of my final questions I have for you before we let you go, uh, the Universal Basic Income Caucus. Can you just uh, briefly elaborate on that for us? And if there's anything um, that our listeners can maybe go to a website um, or take part of? Uh, yeah, the, the caucus is still in its uh, very early development. Uh, we've only been, we're still trying to, add all of the members that mm -hmm. support basic income. Um, but yeah, if you just follow one of us, then you'll probably get notified. Okay. All right. Well, I believe that is all the time we have. Is there anything else that you would like to plug before we let you go? 
Um, yeah, one thing is uh, I would like to talk with some more, uh, connect with more Tulsi supporters because I feel like I would, I would agree with them a lot on things like uh, the foreign policy because one of the things that I'm advocating for is to uh, repeal the War Powers Act of 1973, which gives the president more power over our military, which is why the president is able to uh, have mercenaries in Saudi Arabia. Hmm. Fascinating. Well, thank you very much for your time. Um, that was Ryan Blevins, um, robotics engineer running for Congress in California's 10th district. You can find more information about his campaign at blevinsforcongress.com. That's B-L-E-V-I-N-S for congress.com. Mr. Blevins, thank you very much for your time. That was, uh, that was great. Yeah, thank you. It was nice, nice being here. Yes, and we will definitely uh, have to reconnect with you uh, at a later date to uh, catch up with you and your, um, and your campaign. And we wish you the, the best of luck. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.